Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, an unofficial podcast on the FX television show. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill Lempe, and my buddy Sharpie. Sponsors for this season of Fargo Talks Fargo are TAG, celebrating Fargo and the Midwest community through t-shirts, art, and graphics. For more information, visit tagfargo.com. And Fargo Brewing Company's Wood Chipper India Pale Ale with its bold hop flavor and velvety body. Grab a pint or visit them online at fargobrewing.com. Rolling with my homies, smoking and sipping on gin and juice. Hey, that's our new opening for the show. It's Fargo, episode seven, Who Shaves the Barber? Sharpie, I feel like we've done this intro twice now because we just finished recording an episode with Tom Musgrave and it was so fun. I think we're going to spin it off on its own, right? That's right. We uh, we intended to have like a good 20-minute conversation with Tom Musgrave, who plays Bo Monk on Fargo. And it turns out that that 20-minute sort of interview turned into an hour and 20 minutes. So we yeah. might as well treat you listeners and yeah. just serve that up as an entire podcast in its own. Once we edit it, it won't be an hour and 20 minutes. It'll be shorter. But I mean, we had some Skype issues and some stuff. Thanks, Skype. A lot Skype of Skype for no- issues. Thanks for sucking. But uh, so Sharpie and I are going to do our first sort of, uh, uh, we're going to call this, it's it's our duiloquy. It's our dialoquy. <laughs> Duoliloquy. There it is from the hot dish last night, a made up word. Hey, so precedently on Fargo, <laughs> there is nothing Noah Hawley won't kill on this show. Erstwhile, dead. Dead. God, who would have guessed that for who dead next, right? We should have, we should have, now we have to start calling out words. I should have seen that coming. Ancient words. How did I not know? Man, what are we going to do? So, uh, this is, I think our, this is the first episode ever where it's just me and you. How do you feel about that? It's, it's going to be scary. That's because our guest turned into an entire podcast on its own. (sighs) But I think we can handle it. You know, Tom Tom was fantastic. He was such a nice guy. We had such a good little chat about stuff. So we're gonna it's gonna be just a little you know, if you wanna hear the perspective of a guy named Bo Monk, the character Bo Monk, and uh Tom is from Valley City, North Dakota, which is actually about sixty miles from Fargo. He went to college he lived in Fargo during college. He went to school across the river. Uh Fargo has a sister city named Moorhead, Minnesota. And uh he was he was very gracious. Came on the show. We had some technical difficulties because Skype sucks. Let's say that one more time. Skype, Skype sucks. sucks. And uh, you know it's it's 2014 and you can't get your shit together. And evidently Apple doesn't want to make FaceTime work for group people and whatever. I'm not, and Google isn't any better either. They all fucking they blow, all suck. Man. They suck. Okay. So. If any talented people on any of those teams wants to hook up with me and produce. Something that actually works. Let's yeah. just do it because the market is ripe. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so we're we're doing the who shaves the barber and who shaves the barber. We're gonna just rip this one out. Um, just you and me, the crazy together, and no other person to stop whatever weird stuff we want to talk about. But we're gonna rip this one out for you guys since we're gonna do an extra episode. Who shaves the barber? It's a it's a paradoxical question because sure if there is a barber. Who sh- who takes care of the whole town? Who shaves the barber? So he, you know, if you're the barber, yeah, you the barber is a man. The, <laughs> the barber is a man in town who shaves all those and only those men in town who do not shave themselves. 
So who shaves the barber? Yeah, go read about it. We're not going to get too deep on that, are we? Well, who is shaving the barber? I don't know. Who's the barber? Who's, who's the barber? Yeah, I don't know. You tell me. Precedently. We open we opened some some great footage um shot in this episode of Gus who is moving forward in motion but everyone around him is moving backwards in time. It makes mm-hmm. you wonder if uh Gus Gus wants to take it all back. Even the music is going in reverse, which is I think cool. You know, I wouldn't call this the best episode, but this uh episode has some one of the best scenes in it in my opinion. One of many. Yeah, it's I tough think, because I think every week I'm like, oh my God, this is my favorite episode. Awesome. But I have to week, sort of like hold that back. Last week was wicked, wicked strong, though. Last have, week was wicked strong. I have to hold that back a little bit, but I will say that my favorite acting uh, was in this episode. I like the fact that when this thing opened, there's like this stuff happening and there were... We're watching this thing happen in forward motion as the camera pans away from Gus, who's moving forward in time. There's people around Gus moving back in time. And towards the end of that, we're hearing the audio of Chaz, Gordo, and Kitty, a scene we haven't even visually entered yet. And I think I just, I thought that was a a brilliant piece. Hats off to whoever edited that part. I I didn't watch the credits long enough to see that. Which the editing di- is really well done, and the sound design is actually incredibly well done. And I'm not talking yeah. about just like the writing aspect of the sound design, um, because obviously a lot of that is driven by the writing. But if you watch the show in headphones, it you really pick up on a lot of things. Um, not to mention like gaining from like the stereo qualities and stuff like that. But you notice a lot more tiny sounds that exist that are in there being part of the storytelling process that you might miss if you are just, say, like watching your living room where there's other distractions going on. There's a lot added through the sound aspect of the show. So watching it in my parents' basement this week on their their CRT 2 TV. Which is true. (laughs) It's totally true. I had to get over there. You're trying to convince them that this podcast thing, this is it. This is going to take off. I'm like, Mom, Mom and Dad, someday when this thing takes off, I won't have to come over here for dinner every night. (laughs) And they keep asking where my wife is. And I won't be sleeping in the basement anymore. They keep asking where my wife is, and I'm like, she's busy. She's been gone for like four years. I just don't know how to tell them. (laughs) By the way, did you pay the cable bill? Because I'm trying to like DVR this shit. Mom, did you pay the cable? I'm doing my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My wife's real. I just love my parents. Crack one of those open, Sharpie. Okay, so we're we're in Bemidji. Uh, we finally get a little quick answer to the thousands of fish that fell from the sky due to a tornado. Sharpie and I have... I, I'm going to chalk this one up to just... I'm not going to touch it too much outside of this comment. Where is there an open body of water anywhere near Duluth at this time of year? And the only thing that I can think of, you know, you brought up Malax in the hot dish last night, is is superior, which, by the way, just to give you an idea of how much ice and how badass the ice is, my brother sent me a picture of his kids, and it's like 80-plus degrees on the beach or on the shore of Lake Superior, where Duluth is. And in the background of the photo, I should have sent you the photo of this, is my brother's dog floating on an iceberg like 15 feet offshore. 
an actual huge chunk of ice, <laughs> and it hit national news. It hit national news. People were saying, really? like, "Look at this! It's like eighty plus degrees." Was it a out. global warming thing? Like, look at no, this no, dog. no. It was just, it was just, it's just one of those like like strange situations that happen up there. The water is so huge, and it takes so long to warm it. I mean, there are places of Superior that do not freeze. It's just the way it is. It's so it's like it's the so, ocean. I mean, like, look at that. I mean, that shit's bigger than some of the states. Anyway. I'm just gonna. It happened. It's part of the story. I don't, I don't know what I kind of fish those were either, but they were not walleye. I'll tell you that. <sighs> well, that's because they came out of the Great Lake. They have to have. Anyway, so we we basically get to follow Gordo uh, and his gun to school. And props, hats Where'd off to John Lamb for singing. Gordo's got a gun. So Gordo, we get to follow the gun to school, and I did. I had one of those moments where I was like, "What are they talking about?" And then I realized this is 2006. They were reenacting the uh, Mr. Anderson. That's the sound of inevitability scene from The Matrix. And I'm like, that's, oh, yeah, it's older. <laughs> I keep forgetting that sometimes. That's amazing. That was such a nice pickup. I did not catch that at all. Mr. Anderson. I mean, I was so caught up in that gun and waiting for that to spill out. I was they, just like, oh, man, they, 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 they let us hold on to that, didn't they? I'm doing the Gordo's got a gun thing in my head, and I'm just waiting, waiting. Hoping that it has like a giant boogie on it. I had the uh, I had the yeah, Gordo's out there picking a winner. Uh, I had that moment though where he didn't fully zip his bag up, and I kept thinking it was going to fall out of that. I don't know if that was just a little continuity error, or if they just maybe we could assume Lester or Lester Gordo saw it and zipped it up somewhere between the bus stop and getting on the bus. Was not, it zipped up important. when he got on the bus? When he pulled it off the kitchen table, his bag was not fully zipped. As right, far as but I'll did recall. you see it zipped up? Any on the bus, time? it was completely zipped up. Okay, well, he could have zipped it up on the way there. Who knows? Doesn't matter. The point is, Lester's a genius. I've, I heard people talk about, um, so when Gordo's sitting there picking his nose, waiting to get on the bus, and the bus driver pulls up and he says, no funny stuff. Yeah. I've heard people talking about, uh, specifically on Reddit, that that is a reference to the Big Lebowski I didn't um, catch that, I guess. Because but, the the guys, like the guys who take the rug. You mean this? No funny stuff today. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Sorry, I believe it was the guys who take the rug from the dude. They're the ones that constantly are repeating no funny stuff. Really tied the room together. Really Just did. like that blood stain on Lester's floor. I believe. I'm trying to recall that. Uh, but. Yeah. A lot of lovely Easter eggs in this show. Lots well, of good ones. Way, the, we'll gun, cover them. the gun comes out. The gun comes out. The whole plan Lester has somehow managed to, in total Malvo form, hatch is like snap, snap, just lining up. And and uh, I do love that they're just picking up on the cliffhangers right away. But you know, I think that's what this episode's for. The end of episode three, we all started talking about the the ice Molly dead and the money. Oh, that. And, uh, sorry, you said episode three. My bad. And we get right into it, right off the bat. This episode, we know what's about to happen, and they don't, like, dick around. We just go right into Gordo and the gun. Boom. Well, they don't answer the Molly thing right away, but I just, I would, you know, there's 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 a lot of great characters on this show. But I really think that Malvo, Molly, Lester, and Gus, they're it, right? They're the four main characters. Yeah, I suppose so. Everybody else has some sort of role to play that yep. involves them. That sounds yeah, that sounds good. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> so the cops are searching the house, which, by the way, Kitty never says, what are you doing? She just They just walk in. Love his attitude. When she opens the door, I love Bill Oswald's attitude as he just like flips that paper around. It was almost His a Saul Goodman face. kind of like cocky ass move. Just like, yep, I got it, bitch. I'm walking <laughs> in here. <laughs> and he kind of like he kind of like brushes against her shoulder even. Just like he does. Like a bully in school. He gives her a hip check. Yeah, he does. And he's like, that's right, bitch. I knew my boy Lester is innocent. That's why I'm coming to find some shit up in here. He's basically formulating the story that comes later already. He's already plotting uh, Lester's alibi. Oh, he's so stoked. Yep. Yeah, he's like so excited to not have this happen. And this is where I was saying the other night uh, that I was wrong. I, I thought... I thought maybe he didn't care for Lester as much as he thought, but he had a soft spot. And it turns out that he's got a bigger soft spot than we thought. Sure. They've known each other more, and he has a lot more memories of him. But um, we'll just skip over the Blumpkin. If you don't know what that what? is, just Why do you Howard, have to Stern, Howard Blumpkin, Stern you'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> that's where I first heard about a Blumpkin. He oh. talked about it on air when you were like in sixth grade. Um, I will say that the, it was beautifully shot. Uh, and well, while not my favorite scene, I love uh, like a phenomenally shot and orchestrated scene opening that gun safe. And one thing I don't understand, though, as much as I think it's beautiful, is Kitty was already pissed, yelling at Chaz about something like like she was really torqued off at him. And they hadn't even found the hammer, the underwear, or the photos. Well, or is she just pissed that Gordo got a gun and got it at school? Yeah, yeah but she's- I think she was pissed because she knew Chaz was really into guns. And she kind of... It was one of those things where she kind of just let it go because he's a guy and he's in the Midwest and dudes like guns. And I think that, in my mind, she was thinking that he got careless. And he let their beautiful little boy get a hold of one of his guns. She went ballistic, though. Like, like I mean, like, yeah, spit I, this, on your this face spit on, ballistic. The spit on the face was that, and, they, and that's beautiful. Hey, sound editing, nice work. The, the washing machine sound is also Brilliant. like... Brilliant. Uh, uh, and like tangled with water washing machine sounds and underwater like drowning sounds. And then you all you hear in the middle of it, though, just very lightly is a... And that's when she hawks that loogie on his face. Before that, when she before she answers, before she answers the door, she's vacuuming, uh, and her house is like sort of immaculate. You know, there's a bunch of cheesy family photos. There's a bunch of little trinkets and you know tchotchkes laying around the house, and she's got her perfect little princess castle going on. You know, she's she's vacuuming like. To like prove to herself like she's got this per- perfect little white picket fence world. And I think that kind of leads into her explosion because now her perfect little white picket fence world is being shattered and it's not so perfect. Yeah, and it is, yeah. It, it, it's not what she was expecting and her wor- it's coming crumbling down. So that kind of created this uh, just... just like, just as exaggerated as her feel- initial feelings were about her perfect world, just as another exaggeration of it being exploded. Yeah. Uh, so they get all the business. They 
end up, we cut to Lester in uh, the police station in Bemidji again. And one of his first questions I thought was very uh, telling of who he's actually afraid of is he says, where's the, you know, he says something like, where's the female deputy? You know, because I don't think he has, he knows he ain't got shit to worry about about Mm -hmm. Bill. Bill Oswald, you know. And, and, And Bill is just rambling about the tragedies in the town and Gordo brought it. I thought it was very telling, weird, not telling, weird that uh, Lester said, my Gordo, and it's like, that's not your yeah. kid. Or or, <laughs> or is there something we're going to no, slowly unfold so. that no, Lester, no, no. Lester banged Kitty at one point, and he's the one, it's actually his kid. No. <laughs> There's my I, crazy prediction. That is prediction. a completely understandable <laughs> statement to me. Yeah. I just I think though this is this scene though is just fantastic and, and and killer that it opened with no no major opening no mu- it just like came in and it happened and uh, Bill just you know he's like you could have trusted me and he can we he play a little bit of Lester that because of the story uh, I have marked right here where right where Bill starts giving Lester his alibi. And this is sort of where Lester picks up on it. You can see it in his eyes, and this is where Martin Freeman does a really, really awesome job of um, of showing that he his character is about to take this and run with it just with facial expressions. Yeah. Martin Freeman needs to be in more American TV shows. So here we go. Here's uh, Lester and Bill where the magic really begins to happen and makes such an intense scene. And what then? She tells him it's over and he... Well, we all know your brother had a temper. He broke a guy's nose once just for cracking wise at the state fair. Yeah, I remember. He had to do community service. So what? She cuts it off, the affair, and then he... Well, all I know is that I came home from work. And they were arguing. In the basement, I heard the voices. I thought, is that jazz? And so I, I went over to the top of the stairs to hear, you know. And she says, oh, love, is that what you think this is? Or something like that? She laughs. Then she says, you know, you're not half the man your brother is. Then I hear this sound, this... When he's like, okay, so we're gonna, I'm gonna cut this off here. But when he does that snap, he makes that noise, and then he gestures with his his hand. Yep, like he's holding a hand. I just, I thought it was fantastic. And you know what? Um, we've talked a lot about um, Martin Freeman being fantastic, and and everybody knows that. And I just think um, these two just really have an incredible, intense play on this scene. The whole thing. And it's like 10 minutes long. Awesome. It was really good. And it was definitely my favorite performance for uh, Martin Freeman and Bob Odenkirk. I thought I, I always thought Bob Odenkirk was good, but I was kind of like waiting for him to... like. I mean, I had Saul Goodman in my mind, and, and that's, that's my own fault. Uh, but he was always good, but he always had like a lot of one-liners or a lot of like quick conversations. Um, this was one where he really had a lengthy scene and he really did come through and I thought his accent and Martin Freeman's accent have never been at their finest points. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, 
and then the emotion that was coming through was fantastic. And then we lead into the credits. And the opening credits, which finally happened like, oh, so far in the show. Here, let's let's should we just play so it? I we just gotta say, it. like, I was watching with my girlfriend Clara, and we watched that scene, and we were both just like glossy eyed because we weren't even blinking, we were so amazed by it. And when the conversation ended, we both looked at each other and we were like, Whoa! And then that score kicked in, the score is fucking phenomenal. Well, on top of the 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 like the like the lead in from uh, Martin and Bob on that, we we eventually you know you, I don't know could you have done it without Joshua Close uh, who plays Chaz you, you know filling this last part of this out like could you have done it so here here's here's exactly what I think you're talking about yep Lester's uh, getting let go basically He's walking down the hall. That slight glimpse in his face there where it first starts where it says FX presents. Fucking phenomenal. That's my that favorite. That's just heavy. And and you know what? The use of silence in that, where they just like cut the score entirely. Yep. And it's just Joshua Close just screaming, Lester! Just brilliant. Uh, that is my favorite part of the season, hands down. Like music, music interplayed with uh, the scene and the facial expressions, which everybody, if you can, if you've DVR'd it, go back and rewatch it. It's, I'm gonna rewatch it tonight. It is, That's awesome. It, it is an incredibly brilliant open to the show, and it's. I just. I hats off to everybody involved in that, and hats off to Noah Holly for for just doing it. So, um, go back to where we were though. Uh, the rest of the show, we can't. We you know. I could probably. I could probably <laughs> just play that and talk about it all night. Um, we get we get a little bit of Duluth flashback from Molly's side of things with Molly Wrench, Gus, and Lauren. I thought it was really interesting to see that Lauren was just like like what felt like steps away from her in this mix from what I could look at and see Being you know the so slithery snake that he is she shoots wrench Lauren is like almost in the mix and then I, it's almost as if he knows somebody else you know Gus is gonna screw it up and he shoots her and I I've thought about it a little more Sharpie and I don't even think I've told you this is that I think a little bit of it's Molly's fault because if you think about the way people work in in um, criminal apprehension and police and military stuff, you don't just go run off on your own. That in a weird sure. way, Molly and Gus have had this. Um, they both have this like like running desire to prove themselves. Molly isn't the chief, even though Vern thought she should have been right. Um, and sure, she's is, always like stepping outside of she's her. Stepping you know, outside of the thing, and she's pushing beyond where she should, and maybe sometimes, I guess, yeah, and, maybe. and too fast, and too fast. So she goes running off into this storm and leaves Gus behind. Is Gus a little incompetent? Yeah, he is from time to time, and and but but deep down, he still understands it. He's not. He's actually not stupid. He just has his decision making process just sucks. And 
So a little bit of me thinks, okay, I was like, oh, Gus, you dumbass. And of course he, you know, shoots point blank into a storm and I'm surprised he even hit her still, you know, to lose right. his spleen. Um, I just wanted to say that, that I think that I think there's a little bit of blame on Molly for having run into that and left Gus alone in the in the storm in the whiteout to to discern his own path from her and she never once calls back to him oh hey i'm over here come on let's go she just she leaves him in the lurch like from the get-go like she even from when they come on a moment this was her thing she wanted to that's my know, point though is that they both want emotional. things they both want things so badly that they screw themselves over Yep. Gus arrests Lauren when he doesn't have anything to like perfectly prove it yet because Lauren's got his Frank Peterson airtight thing going on, but he didn't know that. But anyway, that's just a little thing. No so deal. we picked up to that sort of uh, flash to last week, and I think we kind of, I think we kind of picked up, and eventually, you know, we're proven and shown what we all basically anticipated was that Molly isn't really dead. Um, you said that she shot wrench. You got that right. So great call there. Um, and we 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 were kind of all in disbelief that Molly was actually dead. So at least yeah, that would have we sucked. Allison Tolman's just too strong in that show for her to have ended her run there. Yeah, and the only female lead right now. So I also I mean, think it would be very easy for Noah Hawley to kill somebody to shock people for the sake of shocking people, but. Sure, but I, I don't think, think this is did, that kind of show. It's not, and I think he did. I think he did the right thing, and he, he we can suspend our disbelief for that for just a little longer and, and play out yep. this game. Yep. I do. Uh, this is a little side tangent. I don't see Lester surviving the show, but I do see him dying with a smile on his face. Is he going to be banging Kitty? Nope. I think he's gonna. I mean, I think it's gonna be. Well, I hate to equate it to like a Breaking Bad, like Heisenberg death, but I don't see him living throughout the season. And I mean, I think he'll die on the last episode, but I think he'll have that same smirk that we saw of him walking down the hallway in this episode. And that's why I'm bringing it up now is I think Lester's going to die happy and he's going to die with that smirk on his face because finally he's, he's, you know, stood up for himself. I think he's got a taste, and I and I, I don't just mean for what happens later in this episode. I think he's just got a taste for what he can accomplish if he puts his mind to it, and I think that's what's going to end up killing him in the end. Right. Killing him he, or getting him caught. He might not die. I don't know if I think he'll die. I think he'll get caught. I don't know. I don't know yet. I gotta he'd be dead. About that. Well, we got, an, we got a segment about that. You got my who dead next for episode Hey, a nice, uh, nice Midwestern props to the writing for uh, Gus Grimley saying, you uh, want some pop or something? For those of you who don't know, there's a big difference between calling it soda, calling it Coke, and calling it pop. Up here, it's... I don't say... Do you say pop? No, I'm a soda guy. I'm a soda guy too, but I think I did that at some point in my high school life to differentiate myself from being I, so Midwestern. I'm on the exact same page. I'm pretty sure, like, right around high school, I switched to soda. Yeah. But I, because I know for a fact that I called it pop at some point, but. Me too. Me too. We just got, we were just way cooler than we thought. We were, we were pop hipsters before we knew it. I'm going to be Fargo hipster and I'm going to start calling it soda. Yeah. Like, like elsewhere people's do. I, uh, I want to know, I kind of want to know what happened to Lou that he's got a hole. That he it, it insinuates he's he's been in law enforcement or some sort of thing and been shot because 
Molly says we you know something about they both got holes. They chat and then and another tie back to the Gophers. That wish Joe, had, I wish Joe Riley was here to say. Well, wasn't he gophers. involved in the Sioux Falls incident? That's my point. I don't know yeah. what it was, you know. Uh, and then they do a little hand holding, so that's fantastic. And that was sort of a another classic kind of um, Midwestern father scene yeah. where. You know, he wants he's there to prove that he loves his daughter, but at the same time he's not really like having a wholesome conversation with her. He's basically He's having the Midwest awkward father daughter conversation. Yeah, and he's just like resorting to the game like they he doesn't look at her, he doesn't <laughs> it's just it is yeah, what it, yeah. it, it kind of you know up to this point you thought they had like a really close like and they do have a close relationship they do they do have a close they thing. had like I think this kind of proved that they had they have less of a less in common than we might have thought I don't I don't know if I can agree with that no um mm, I don't know I think they have a lot in common I think they have some sort of loss of her mother and since then for whatever reason they're very close. And he's had a near-death experience, and since then he runs but a diner. But why so that would he, can he just turn on the game and not like? Because focus it's on the Midwest. Daughter. Nobody talks about their problems. We even talked about that with Tom about the whole. You just don't talk about things, and people just go, "Oh, you know, uh, well, it was good. It was a nice time." Even though in their mind they're like, "Oh, I was bored," or "I didn't like that." It just they they just suppress feelings or worry or all sorts of stuff. You you say, "Oh, I'm worried about you," and then you just immediately. Do it because you don't want to be rude. But uh, Lester goes home, finally decides to uh, get rid of that blood. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, really ties the room together. (laughs) You're going to get rid of that blood, man? And and he pulls out what I consider to be the largest Bemidji phone book I've ever seen for a town (laughs) that size. Just hey saying. man, this is 2006. Yellow pages were hot. I'm not talking about years. I'm talking about population. And uh, I, I do admit that we, there was definitely yeah, some but- light parts, and I love that 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 tie to that like real darkness and a really light moments. And uh, I'm gonna. Do you want to you want to say something before well, I play in this those, clip or what? In those towns, you know, it's usually there's multiple towns that make up the phone book. You know, so yeah, true. It, not Bemidji though. They've got their own. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I've used a phone booth. I'm not going to lie. I have used a phone booth in Bemidji in my life. What's a phone booth? So yeah, exactly. Lester looks up... Um, cleaners. He looks up the cleaners. Schneider Cleaning Service, um, <laughs> which is a... And we'll, and we'll play some audio from this conversation because it's fantastic, uh, which is a call-out to... Freddie Reidenschneider, and I, I found this on Reddit. This was not a catch by me because I have not seen the man who wasn't there. But Freddie Reidenschneider was Billy Bob Thornton's lawyer, uh, uh, played by Tony Shalhoub. Tony Tony Shalhoub, uh, in the movie The yep. Man Who Wasn't There. So that's like a, a Billy Bob Thornton nod now, which we have a couple of in this episode. But let's hear that conversation. All right. Hi, yeah, I got... How you doing there, then? Oh, I, I'm real good now. How are you? Oh, you know, can't complain. Wife's got a bit of a cold.
Sure. Well, my house needs a... It's... Well, I'm not going to lie. It's a real mess. (laughs) That's our bread and butter. Well, do you fellas do crime scenes? Had a break-in, huh? Yeah, it's a a little worse than a break-in. A lot of broken glass or... Well, I'd rather not get... Sometimes they uh, defecate. Well, let's just say there's a lot of blood. Hello? So, (laughs) I just love how... He immediately goes, the, the the cleaner guy immediately just goes into like a conversation as if it was his buddy. Yeah, how's you know, it going there? You know, there are certain people in the Midwest that that happens to. It does happen. That's why I wanted to bring it up. That's why I wanted to play that clip. It doesn't It doesn't happen to me. It, for some reason, it doesn't happen to me. I don't know. I just must look like an asshole. <laughs> but my wife can be, she, she was buying something in an aisle at a store the other day. Like she grabbed like, like a lamp or something. And a woman, like, she put it in the cart, and then an old lady was like, oh, I was going to grab that. And my wife was like, well... And she wasn't, like, standing there, like, holding it. My wife didn't, like, rip it from this old woman's hands. The lady went off on a story about why she wanted it and how it went with her room, and my wife's like, um, okay. And, I mean, like, she goes to stores, and people just, like, like <laughs> freely offer her information about their life. And I don't... And it's like... It does happen. I'm never there... I'm never there when it happens, but I hear it and I know it happens because I know people who've been with her when it happens. And it's like, I hear that and I think, so that's what happens to her. <laughs> like, and a lot like, of times with my personal experience, a lot of times it happens and it happens like the conversation with uh, Stavros, Milos, Milos, Stavros and the parking attendant where it's a conversation that starts happening and you don't seem to know half of it. And the guy's just like, well, I know I know what I have to do now. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got to sure get going that? on that. And you're like, yes, you do, sir. <laughs> oh, God. I know what I have to do now. Well, so can you let me out? You know, you know what you do when you can't find a good cleaner? Do you know what you do? Call the wolf. Nope. You say screw it, and you go to FargoBrewing.com, and you find yourself a beer instead. I agree. Yeah. So we got to tell you, this week's episode, as with every week's episode of Fargo Talks Fargo, is brought to you in part by Wood Chipper India Pale Ale from Fargo Brewing Company. You know, we tell you every week that there's two pounds per barrel of dry hops, beautifully balanced, velvety body, all that stuff. And then I say something about how it's delicious and you need to get it in your belly. That's all true. I wouldn't lie to you about that. But I mean, I cannot tell you how much I think this beer is fantastic and that you, you need to try some. And if you if you can't get it here, you need to you need to get here. You need Come to, to get here. I'm like I'm we should literally be literally drinking it right now. Bill, can you take a screenshot so that it's the right way. I can't. I can't because I'm not seeing you on a screen right now. So stop messing up my ad. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> hey, this ain't no pancakes house. You need to get yourself a beer and a steak. Wood chipper IPA. So if you go to FargoBrewing.com right now, you can see all the beers they have going on. You need to come here, take a brewery tour, sit around, go to the tap room, have a few beers, and visit our town. It's fantastic. There's no crime syndicate. It's just. It's just fantastic to be here, and it's fantastic to have Fargo Brewing Company as one of our sponsors. So here's the other deal. If you can get here this week or every week until the show is over, 
we've got a secret password. You can go to Fargo Brewing's tap room located here in Fargo, and you can go up and give them a password and get yourself a dollar off a beer. Like what? What could what could be better than getting yourself a dollar off a beer? So here's the other thing. Not only that, you can get yourself a dollar off a beer, but if you go during happy hour in the tap room, the beer's already a dollar off. And so if you do that and you get over to the Fargo tap room, you got to have a secret password. We do it every week. This runs all the way through next Tuesday when Fargo airs again. Sharpie, what is the password this week? The password for this week is Gordo. Gordo, you hear that? Just say Gordo, and you Gordo. can get a dollar off a beer. And if you do that during happy hour, that's basically $2 off a pint of delicious, wonderfully locally brewed Fargo Brewing Company beer. Get over there, get some, don't be stupid. That's right. And don't forget to bring in your six-pack carriers for an additional yeah, you, savings. Yeah, it's, it's almost stupid how much you can get off a beer. So oh, if anything, even if you don't want the if you, even if you don't want the discount for bringing in the black six pack carriers that uh, are the old pop the the you know the tops or cans, bring them back because a it saves the company money and b it's just less garbage in our landfills. So at least recycle. all right. So Sharvi, we're we're at the realty. We finally see the realty guy. Which by the way, we open with a scene of him and like doing like some sort of power water aerobics, yeah, which I keep what thinking was is that. He's just another fish in the pool. I don't. Know. I guess he's a, another fish that's about to get eaten. He's with a bunch of senior citizens too. Like, why does that guy have to do water exercises? It's just his thing. They have a word for that. What is the word for that? I don't know. You don't know. Did you want me to say something slightly offensive, or I don't know? No. Okay. So, so we get to Rundle Realty. And lo and behold, Lauren Malvo has made his way all the way to Nevada. <laughs> Reno, nonetheless, the biggest little city in America. Yep. So he's either he's either driven like fourteen stolen cars there that he's picked up at local grocery stores, or somehow safely flown as Frank Peterson. <laughs> we don't know. It doesn't matter. He but, got himself a, a an NWA flight. So this is great because this is where we have um, Billy Bob Thornton calling out Georgia, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, what do you have against Georgia? What the <laughs> hell? You, what what the hell you got against Georgia? Yeah, because the guys the the Rundle Realty guy's been everywhere but Georgia because of the <laughs> pins on his map. I used to live in Georgia, and I I don't care to put a pin back in that place <laughs> you're not going to hotlanta no thank you actually no. I've, I've lived in georgia and i never went to atlanta so maybe that's my bad yeah and then uh they have a little lauren has a little conversation that we'll play a piece of here two hombres took a run at me in duluth two hombres mexicans that's the wrong part of the sentence to be focusing on <laughs> the point is they said fargo sent them so i have two questions First, did you tell these boys where to find me? Second, 
Who do I see about this in Fargo? Look, you know I can't. Did you put them on me? No. So we got Ombre's bolo ties, and, and Lauren wants to know who sicked Fargo on him. Right? That's right. So the guy, so Lauren Mavo basically gives Mr. Rundle an ultimatum. He says you yeah. can either pick up this phone and call an ambulance, or you can pick up this phone and call the hearse. Yeah. Wait, is that right? Or am I now thinking of something like No, no. He says, he says we can, shit, I don't know. Now you screwed me up, jerk. <laughs> Let's just play this line play from it. Sling Blade. <laughs> To call the police, you push nine, one, one. You must tell them to bring an ambulance. Or Hurst, you're going to kill me. Fried potatoes. So <laughs> we kind of we kind of like rushed to that a little bit. So that was sorry, my bad, my bad. I just I had it queued up and ready to go. That was a scene from Sling Blade, written by Billy Bob Thornton, starring Billy Bob Thornton. Um, so it's a similar scene in Sling Blade that's kind of referenced in Fargo, where yep. the guy where Billy Bob Thornton's character gives another character an ultimatum on. Who to call, basically. Yeah. Slightly different, but definitely an obvious nod to Sling Blade. So that's two Billy Bob Thornton nods in this episode, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very nice. So after all that, we uh, obviously, Lauren, (laughs) Lauren takes no prisoners. There's no ambulance. This is a nom, man. There's rules. I think it was pretty obvious that when he was walking out of Rundle Realty that we were going to start to hear screams. Yeah, it was just a slight delay. Uh, we cut back to Duluth, the hospital with Wrench and Molly, and Molly has gone upstairs to have a conversation with a man she has no idea can't have a conversation with her. And uh, I actually... I, the perfect I, man, a woman might think. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, either way, Russell Harvard, uh, who plays Mr. Wrench, does a fantastic job of um, relaying, uh, in my opinion, relaying his emotion of the scene, even without his translator who has been killed, Adam Goldberg's Mr. Numbers. And uh, like I said last night, even his one hand is locked to the bed and he's just like slightly, he's, it's it's like the one hand being gone is like the other half of him that's missing, in my opinion, like Adam Goldberg is. Or right. Mr. Numbers, you know what I mean? Like yep, he's totally. like, I'm gonna talk, and I'm missing half of me. The same way you've locked up half my hand, half mm-hmm. not half his hand, half of his hands, plural. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. But I mean, no, I got. I, I think I think that's the to me that's the thing about that is that he goes to say something. He's like, like I can't, I cannot communicate the way I normally do because I am missing another part of me. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, he like with no words, he does just like an a, 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 like, and it's a hard play to play that up against the really great uh, shit that was happening with Bill Oswalt with Lester in in the in the interrogation room uh, where he's talking about what Chaz quote unquote did, 
and uh, I thought it was fantastic, and uh, I just thought it was really great. Everything up to a certain point for me. I, I like, don't. Oh, go go for it. Well, I don't know. He just looks so genuinely hurt, and she goes into her big spiel about it. And I don't know if I needed the like super close to. And I know we've talked about the scene with Marge and um, Gear, played by Peter Stomare. Um, mm-hmm. where she says, and for what? A little bit of money, and it's and it's a beautiful day. I felt like they were really having that same conversation. I think you know, that what's is... the what's the point? Your friend is dead, you're gonna go to jail, and for what? And I know it's the same thing, and maybe it's a comment on us, uh, like a society repeating itself over like, and for what? What are we repeating this pattern for? And then at the same time, I'm like, did we have to have this again already? I we couldn't tell. Again. I don't, There's more to life to money, don't you know? So I don't know. It, it was like a scene that I had a lot of like real, a lot of respect for in a few moments of like, ah, write something different so you could say that. Granted, right, by the way, no, sure. no Holly, come on our show. Thanks. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool to see though the wrench, the brute. You know, I mean, he's called Mister Wrench because he was clearly the brute of the duo. Mm, and he, yes, but no, and he was a he's also the tear. one that's he's also the same guy that said you, he has to say it. He will not kill it. He has a purpose. He has he has that's a true. moral code. Whereas Numbers was like, fuck it, slit his throat. Let's push him in the hole, auger in, and get the hell out of this town. And he's like, no, he's like, I'm signing to you right now with my hands, and it's not making sense. But he was like, you know, he's got to say it. He's got to, Lester's got to say it. We can't just yeah. bury him. But he's still the brute. It was kind he's of, a brute, it's kind of like he's, a, he's a brute with a, he's a brute with a code or a conscience of some sort. It's like a pinky in the brain scenario. I don't know. He's like baby Dexter. He's, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's more of a pinky in the brain. I mean, he's not dumb like pinky, but he's still got that sort of innocence to him, but he, but he can do more physically than the brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's like too much of a, I don't know, stretch. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of Animaniacs watchers. Yeah. Either way, it it was great. Um, we we eventually get back to the Mimiji police station, and Chaz is just like pleading for his life. And, well, his uh, world is. Can you imagine what that feeling is like? Props to uh, Deputy Knudsen, who's played by Doug Heffernan's cousin from King of Queens. I'm sorry, I don't know your real name. My bad. <laughs> but uh, he plays Midwest real nice. Like calls him sir. He's nice to him, and I've seen this. I've seen this with uh, like law enforcement in town, where you're still polite. It's not for me to say, sir. He's just like, I just need to move you. And Chaz is freaking out and getting transferred to county. County! It's going to Cass County lockup, which is yep. also, if you're in Fargo, not Bemidji, just saying for Fargo, is still in town. <laughs> you just moved from downtown to, like, not downtown. I don't <laughs> barely, know what happened. Barely not downtown. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, is Bemidji in Beltrami County? I don't know. Like I don't know where Beltrami goes. Or maybe it's not Beltrami. My bad. Whatever. Somebody correct me. We're not from the Lakes Country. We're from North Dakota. All right. So you know what though? Either way, Chaz is doing his thing, and uh, we we got it. We we waited a little too long on our last sponsor break, so I think this is a good time for us to take another break. Let's do it. 
this week's episode, as with all episodes. Every week. (laughs) It's great having strong sponsors. It is so awesome. Um, Special thanks to Tag Fargo. That's tagfargo.com. Tag basically brings you swag from Fargo. Uh, True Fargo swag from True Fargo people. We got t-shirts, art, um... Beer glasses. Beer glasses, all kinds of cool Coffee mugs. All kinds of Fargo-related swag. So head on over to tagfargo.com. Use promo code BARGO. Go figure. Boom. 50% off. 50% off. Um, Jade of Jade Presents, uh, who owns Tag, that's part of their whole business, has been really kind to support us throughout uh, right off the get-go, right from the beginning, he was totally into the idea of the Fargo podcast, and we just really appreciate it. We couldn't do it without Tag Fargo, and I just, I just, they, and they also have some good products. They have a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun, a lot of great gifts. If you have, yeah, people that are into the show, um, there's a lot of really cool Fargo swag, um, and even for yourself, there's some pretty cool T-shirts and stuff. Hey, boom! We're at the Bone Monk Agency, which Bone Monk. Uh, played by Tom Musgrave, Valley City, North Dakota native, graduate of Fargo, Fargo, Minnesota State University, Moorhead, uh, just across the river. And uh, I love his like matter of factness with the whole heard. Hey, heard, heard you got arrested. <laughs> and we talked with Tom. If you want to hear about that, you need to turn tune in to the episode that we recorded with Tom, where we talk about how we got on the show, a little bit of his history, and just general me and Sharpie goofing around with Tom. It was a pretty fun episode. It will come out directly after this episode. So Yeah, we think yeah. Stay so. tuned for that. It's going to be a pretty fun one. Yeah. But Lester is ready to rock. He's like ready to work any any or all hours of the day because he is riding on a high of I just set my brother up. He's a dick. I've I'm unraveling all this stuff and I'm gonna He's get got away, away with, murder. with this. He's got away with murder and the murder of somebody else that he didn't even pull the trigger on, and he's he's managed to exonerate himself as a slightly unwilling participant because of his brother's rage issues. And uh, you know what? Bo, Bo is just glad to toss any of his work off on Grunt Lester, right? He's basically playing the epitome of one of Lauren Malvo's earlier statements where Lauren Malvo says, you think there are rules? There are no rules. Yeah, being a gorilla, being a... We all used to be gorillas. And Lester's kind of embracing that, basically, right now. And he's just like, there are no rules. I'm king of the castle now. I do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, especially because Lauren's not here anymore. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and, and, and and it turns out Bo Monk is like, whoo, dodged a bullet. Widow Hess, don't have to pay that out because uh, Deadbeat... Uh, Sam. strip club, s- strip club. Sam uh, hasn't been premiums. paying the premium. Yeah, you dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, you know, just going on your uh, accused crush of Gina Hess last night. I mean, you know, sorry. I mean, would you be at a strip club banging the lady he was banging if you had Gina Hess at home? Yeah, but he's got a strip. He's got a stripper taste. You know, he's, I'm he's sure. constantly chasing. The dragon in terms of strippers. And by that, you mean glitter and vanilla? Yeah. 
Okay. Anyway, but uh, Lester, Lester, you know, gets the psh, psh, lights go off on his head, the the sleigh bells, and he's like automatically volunteers to go talk to the widow Hest, claws out or not, and give her a shoulder to cry on, and therefore fulfilling our discussion or a penis to sit on. <laughs> our discussion from episode four, which uh, Carmela or Mia, one of the two, pointed out that we figured out you called it. Let's get it on. He goes through some stuff. Oh, wait, no, I skipped ahead, didn't I? I skipped ahead in terms of like chronological order. He volunteers. He volunteers. And then we cut to a scene uh, of back in the Duluth hospital. Molly's drawn all over the windows, which is totally acceptable with the dry erase marker. Uh, and, And once you've had your spleen blasted out of your body, you can go home in a day or two. And uh, <laughs> Gus brings her flowers. They like to call a. I don't know if I've ever called an assault weapon a bazooka. Being a Midwesterner, have you? Well, I thought that was part of the morphine. To be honest, like I thought that was like her being slightly in a bit of a different world. And yeah, but that she said it the first time when she was she in the bed. Times. Yeah, and, and that and that was when um, Greta. No, I'm sorry. What's uh, Joey King? Is uh, Joey King's? Plays the character, the young gal, uh, Gus Grimley's daughter. Yeah, isn't it Greta? Yeah, but I'm saying like that. I get it. You're just you're waking up. You're all wonky and I still think what's that, going I mean, on. That's my position is that it was part of her just sort of like yeah, Greta Grimley, absence yeah. from reality that she was calling it a bazooka and that her and things were still a little bit cloudy and she was sort of just kind of. Talking through some, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of funny that she brings up the fact that he's deaf, and then a sentence or so later, she says, "Turns out he can't hear." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, he's deaf. He's the of deaf fella. He, he's the deaf fella, and whatever." But well, I, I will say, I have to admit. So Molly's drawn all these conclusions, but we don't know how she got there. I'm kind of confused as to how Molly figured out Hess would bullied Lester that day, and she calls it bullied him, like about the nose. Like, I, you know, we got to draw some lines and get some things wrapped up. So I mean, I'm sure that's what would happen. But and then they have the awkward goodbyes. Your yep. dad shows up before you, you know, your dad shows up while you're making out with your boyfriend in the car in front of the house. That's exactly what it felt like. It was like either it was either the dad figure showing up or just another, you know, more alpha male that showed up in the presence of a woman and Gus just completely crumbles and he's just like, oh, yeah, this guy is much stronger than I am I must leave or just like completely crumble into a million pieces because I'm a pussy but uh I felt like her oh he brought me flowers is her like note to her dad I like this guy he cares about me and she wants to put him in water because she wants to see it grow I thought it was interesting that she was like (laughs) cue the Michael Bolton she was up doing the the drawings and like walking around and stuff. And then as soon as her dad brought in a wheelchair, it was like a little kid seeing their parents after they just fall down and starts crying. Uh, it was like her dad comes in with a wheelchair. She's walking around like she's her mind is like going crazy. 
in terms of like it's working well. She's putting together a lot of pieces of the puzzle. She's walking around and her dad shows up and she immediately sits down in the wheelchair and she can't even get up to grab the flowers that are two feet away from her. Daddy's girl and hospital policy She's like, combined. She sits down in the wheelchair. Oh, dad, my flowers. And he's got to go grab them now. She walked to the fucking wheelchair, man. <laughs> you think you it think doesn't Lou matter. is going to be like, girl, get your flowers yourself, <laughs> you lazy, lazy little girl. And did you make your bed before we left? Yes, yes, you did. Because the bed was perfectly made when they pull out of the room. Anyway. Doesn't matter. Hey, we're back in Fargo. Actual Fargo, Fargo for the story. And the boss man is leaving his favorite Chinese restaurant, which is obviously what we call King Hus Buffet. And the Aussie, the Aussie is still talking. Doesn't shut up. He's like me and you talking with our guests. And then we cut to a a scene of the lunch conversation where we finally meet Key and Peel, but we don't ever hear their names yet. So no. I feel bad calling them Key and Peel, but we didn't find their names. And I looked on IMDb and they don't have names on there yet either. They're not no, even on the Fargo page yet. Peel. They're just like really funny fucking guys. That's who they are. Um, I, I will admit I read on AV Club uh, that this is, uh, which is one of the ones I did manage to read before we talked, that interesting to introduce new characters this late in the season of that much notoriety. So they're going to have to have something for them to be of consequence. They're not just going to have them be these like bumblers who show up, have their like crazy... Do you know how they make those sandwiches, lunchtime conversation? Well, Lorne walks in front of them with an assault weapon under his coat and, and like literally pulls it out barely past their bumper. They're going to have to have something going on. I have an image of that, and I'm going to send it to you. Not like this matters too much to the audience, but it actually... It, send, it, send it to me, and I'll use it as the screen grab for this episode's okay. podcast. Perfect. Thing. No, I don't have to do it. You just save me like five minutes. Oop, look at what I'm doing with that free time. I'm drinking a wood chipper. It actually does look like downtown Fargo. And in the distance, it I know it's not, but it act it does look like the King House. Holy buffet. crap, that looks I feel like I need to go get a picture tomorrow and post it for us. I know, I think you should. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> By the way, I nice work like, on grabbing Lorne with like the weirdest I, mouth look ever. I tried and, to find a better look on his face, but that was it. That's like every frame of that picture. So, yeah. So the, the crime syndicate actually enters a building called the Showalter Block. It says the Showalter Block on the building, which is a nod to Fargo. Again, Carl Showalter, the Steve Buscemi character. Anyway, he goes on a rampage that we don't see any kills 10 plus people. The Aussie goes out the window. Key and Peel show up and try to figure out how to be like, whoops, how do we miss that one? And they reveal that they're FBI agents. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to go turbo here. because yep, that's cool. We gotta... We're going to release this plus another episode. And then uh, we cut back to uh, the Hess house. I think it's safe to say Gina Hess is comfortable in her house attire. No? <laughs> <laughs> Lester is completely aware from the get-go. Lester's on a mission, her. man. He knows exactly. Lester what he's going is to do. gonna get his carrot wet. Yeah. He compliments her. Explains things. He asks for a drink. Has the whole conversations about fresh beginnings. He's a player. Gre- 
greasing palms. And man, she, you know what? And, and, and she picks up on it right away and she offers her own greasy palm. And he has <laughs> no Lester. intention of getting her her insurance money. He just knows that this is, he's taking like a total selfish like move. This is like a total player move. He's He's going to go there. He's going to grab the gold. He's going to leave and he's going to be like, fuck it. I don't care what happens after this. <laughs> I did think it was interesting that he uh, did her from behind. In light of Pearl's comments before he murdered her. That you can't even face me when we have sex. Ooh, he was wow, like, no, no, no. Back. He's like, no, that's you. You're the one, you know. And yet he is just railing Gina Hess from behind. Banging the headboard, staring at uh, the the old Western photo of those two, and doesn't care about Gina not feeling it or not. Just saying, you know. Good call. And and Lester, who says heck and geez, when he uh, reaches his climax, he says, "Oh God." Mm-hmm. To me, that's his. That's like that's the <laughs> that's the cream of his crop. <laughs> Oh, come on. In terms of cursing, uh, and so it happens. And, uh, that just happened. And then I I say that this show opened and closed incredibly strong with uh, uh, the scene between Lester and Bill Oswalt and closed incredibly strong with Molly going to Bemidji, her dad dropping off at the shop, finding out that they have released Lester Locked up Chaz have somehow screwed up all her planning and understanding of what's actually happening and that he's free and she just, her face says a million things through that last scene. Like amazing. Oh my God. Amazing. So she like is. Molly Salverson by, played by Allison Tolman. Holy shit, girl. You fucking go. You go, girl. She's completely destroyed on multiple levels. Because Bill Oswald has, you know, taken the stage yet again. Um, you know, she's she's had she had a deep love for Vern, and you know, not in like a, a sexual way or anything like that. But father father love, yeah, like 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 a like a daughter loves her dad. And Bill Oswald has come in and stepped all over her, and now that she had a break in the case. He's come and he's like finalized the case. They're out celebrating when they have no idea what's going on and she knows it. Hell of a way to end the show. Thanks, Noah Holly. So that's where we have it. I mean, so okay, let's do this real fast because we, we gotta wrap. Yep. Who did next, Sharpie? Oh, I don't like this. Oh well, we started it, so we gotta do it. I always end up just throwing somebody under the bus and I'm completely wrong. Well, I already predicted that I think Lester's going to have some sort of like sexual, not actual boning with Kitty, but something's going to happen. She's going to find him attractive, I think. No way. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Who dead next? I always have to remind people that we don't watch the uh, next week on things. You know, next week on Fargo, we don't watch that stuff. That's why we're probably wrong all the time. <laughs> I just spend so much time like looking into everything else that I forget to like actually ponder who's actually going to be dead next. I'm going to go with 
Well, the entire crime syndicate's dead, so that's taking well, we care We think of. so. We think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a boss over the boss. I think Wrench has some uh, revenge to exact, and I think it's going to be a race to who nabs him first. I don't think Wrench is dead next. I don't think he's dead. I'm saying I feel like he can escape and try to exact revenge for numbers, and it's like a race between Molly and Wrench for who gets to gun down Malvo. Yeah, okay, I can see that. I don't see a lot of deaths happening in the next episode. Um, I don't either, actually. My my who dead next is nobody dead next. And the Semenko, the fire hydrant's dead, right? Yep, Semenko's dead. Dimitri's dead. We still don't know. Somebody's got to tie up the loose knot of Stavros, Milos, Milos, Stavros. Yep, that'll be coming next episode, I have a feeling. Yeah, that's a whole other. Oh, um, who knows? Maybe we to don't need week. to touch that. He's he he like he like the people who suffered the plagues has suffered it, and that is the end of his story. Is that money ain't everything? I don't know. We'll find out. I don't see anybody. So you basically next you don't week. have a choice. So you're gonna go with me with no one dies. Yep. Because I think that's a choice. No one dies. I like. All that. right, let's do that. Let's just stick with that. We'll um, stick with that. Should we chat very briefly? I know we got to wrap it up, but should. But we kind of promised him. Should we chat very briefly about um, James Garcia's article? You know what we us. we really do. We really do. Um, thank you for bringing that up because um, he ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, James Garcia at Talkbacker dot com. Because <laughs> I think Talkbacker, and you know, we don't know. There's a lot of writing happening, but uh, James Garcia wrote at talkbacker.com and we'll put a link to this in the show notes where he has a article titled Fargo Gus Grimley is the secret hero of Fargo he tweeted us about it I said hey we'll read it we'll check it out and then I read it and I immediately (laughs) said yeah I'll tell Sharpie to check it out on the other side of that coin I was like fucking hey Sharpie check that out Uh, I love this kind of stuff even if he's wrong I love it because it's so it's just so well thought and, and interesting. And it's not a long read. And one, it's easy. No, once you read it, you feel stupid because it seems obvious. <sighs> that's the, yes. that's the, so and that's the kind I, of writing that I love. So well done, I, Mr. Garcia. I just, you need to go read this. I don't even want to tell you what it's about. If you're listening to this show and you give a shit at all, you need to go read this and find out why Gus Grimley will be the hero of this whole thing. And it's... Yeah, we should just leave it as that. You need to go check it out. We're going to put a link. I'm not notes. going to disagree with and if it. You, and, and if you don't want to wait for the show notes, we've already... He sent it to us on Twitter at Fargo Talks Fargo. And we're on Facebook. And it's it's goddamn brilliant, in my opinion. And maybe... <laughs> next season, James Garcia needs to just take the show over from us because he's... He's smarter and better at writing. and We're no geniuses, us. that's for sure. No, we're just enjoyers of things. Beer, mostly. This ain't no pancakes house. This ain't no pancakes house. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I was going to kind of summarize it, but I think people should just go read it because that'll help him out a little more. So just go to t- just visit the show notes. Look for the Talkbacker link. 
and read it for yourself. Yeah, yep. We'll maybe yep. discuss a little bit later. Because if we give you the, it's like, yeah, it's like talkbacker.com slash TV slash Fargo dash Gus dash Remleys dash, yeah, just whatever. Just wait, what was his uh, Twitter handle? We can give that. Yeah, we can give out his Twitter handle. I have it um, right here. It's at, it's a, at, at, T-H-E-R-E-E-L-J-A-M-E-S. It's the real the James. The real James. But real is and real as like in a movie real. Movie. Yeah. James Garcia. Props to you, brother, man. Yeah, that was cool. You got Thanks, the, man. You got this shit on lockdown. Maybe we should just hire him to like edit us so we don't sound so stupid. No. I think that's impossible. We're just having a good time. That's that's the bottom line. We we told Tom that tonight. We're just we're just here to have fun. It's, it's the whole part of this cinematic uh television experience. Yep. So Sharpie as always, it's always been fun. Thank you guys for listening. Uh we can't wait. Yeah, I I can't wait, but I'm I just don't want it to happen. What's that? <laughs> the end I mean like when it's done we're gonna wrap this up we're gonna roll it up and we have to wait and see if there's a season two yeah well we'll move right into our next podcast which is Grilling Addiction completely unrelated yeah true completely unrelated but uh, just so just a little quick plug uh, for all those listeners out there if you like our banter and yeah. if you like Joe Riley who's been on a couple times now we do a little podcast, or a couple of years ago, yeah. we did a little podcast called What's Grilling, which is all about food and beer and bullshitting. We're going to start that back up. So we're going to kind of roll that, yep. roll this there episode, roll this podcast right into that after this. So we'll keep you... It's official now that you yeah, announced it. We'll keep you in touch uh, in regards to that. Right now is your chance to catch up on previous episodes just go to itunes or whatever and look the six for inch flame and butt chugging look that was the last episode i think look for the what's grilling podcast or just go to grillingaddiction.com and you'll see a link to the podcast and try to catch up there's 17 episodes out there from a couple of years ago we're gonna start that back up new format though. new format new we're getting a little better at this so let's just stay tuned for all right matt that. we'll talk soon man all right thanks again all right brother Later. Later.